Hello and welcome to Empower to Empower Others radio show. We hope that while you're with us today, you'll hear a relevant kingdom teaching or inspiration that will aid you in becoming your best you. Sit back, relax, and prepare to be empowered. Good afternoon, good afternoon, listening audience. Again, welcome to Empower to Empower Others. This is your host, Valerie Burrell. I'm grateful, 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 and thankful to be with you all today with my guest, Mr. Justin Griffin. Woo! Now, Justin, <laughs> Justin, Justin, Justin is, 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 is a brother from a different mother. He's family. Um, he may not look like me, but he's family. <laughs> we are connected. <laughs> we are connected. And I am certainly appreciative of him being with us today. Different from what we generally do at Lunchtime Inspiration, Justin is here sharing with us um, his his call. I, I, I know that it's a call. Justin is actually running for mayor of Richmond, Virginia, because he believes that they deserve better. He is a lawyer with an accounting degree and a minor in economics. He operates his own law practice in Richmond, Virginia, where he helps people start and run small businesses. Justin's not a politician, as I see it, but his decision is to run because he was tired of seeing elected officials fail the people mm -hmm, in every way, whether they be in the school system, basic services, or lack of jobs and opportunities. He lives in South, he lives south of the river with his wonderful wife, Alexandra, which we love dearly, and he's a member of Richmond's First Baptist Church. Justin, again, thank you so much for being with us today, uh, for sharing your heart and giving our audience an opportunity to hear your heart and what it is that God is leading you to do in this hour. So absolutely, when I saw that you were getting signatures because you were considering running for mayor of Richmond, Virginia, I was like, oh, my God, that's amazing. But how did that come about? I mean, you, you shared in the bio a little bit about how you know that the people deserve better. But were there specific things that you saw, you felt, um, conversations? What was it that actually took you from that place of thinking about it to doing it? Well, thanks for having me on, Valerie. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, the, the best way that I can explain it to people is to kind of tell some of the stories that I heard. So mm -hmm. you know, as somebody who is a small business lawyer, I deal with the local government all the time, obviously. And so I have plenty of background there, seeing the frustrations of people trying to improve their lives or better their lives or live out their dreams here in the city and just getting running into wall after wall after wall. And then also as somebody who lives in the city, uh, I experience it myself running into walls just with simple things like trying to get a trash can or, or hitting potholes if I'm driving around. But, uh, you know, those kind of things kept pushing me towards this and, you know, felt like this was something that I was being called to do. And, and so I started going out and just talking to people and it was, it was, what what pushed me over the edge to say yes, I, I'm going to pull the trigger here and we're going to we're going to follow this this calling is like stories. I was talking to somebody that works in the school system and they said that after they had been there a little while, they worked up the courage to ask one of the teachers why they didn't give homework 
And the teacher's response was just, ah, it'll just bring down their grades. And so Ugh. stories like that. Or I was in Mosby Court talking to a to a gentleman, and he was telling me about how he was driving near where he lives and hit a pothole and broke the axle on his car. It was such a big pothole. And so now, you know, he does not have reliable transportation to his job because he doesn't have the money to get his car fixed. And the city will not reimburse him for those repairs. Uh, or uh, you know, like the, the person I talked to that was trying to start a business and couldn't get the permitting office to call him back. And so it delayed and delayed and delayed. And he eventually lost his investors because he couldn't open and make money. And, and you know, so there's stories like that over and over and over again here in the city where the, the city government is getting in the way of our people thriving. And uh, you know, we... <laughs> And seeing that, and it's just frustrating, you know, some of the surface level things, like for me personally, not getting a trash can or hitting a pothole, but, but seeing the consistent failure of things like our school system and Richmond having the worst school system in the state, only 70% graduation rate. That means 30% of our young people in the Richmond public school system, that is 86% people of color, you know, 30% of them not graduating. To me, that is an absolute crisis. Because that 30% is going to have next to no chance thriving in our modern society. And, and those kind of frustrations and seeing nobody taking those things seriously, there's no urgency in addressing those issues that, that really impact people's lives. And so seeing no change in the status quo, I said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to put my life on hold, my career on hold to, to offer myself uh, to, to serve. Wow, that that's amazing. Um, you know, having lived in Richmond for um, several years before relocating here, um, I had some experiences, and and I saw occasions where, depending upon what your last name was and where you lived, uh, you got different treatment. (laughs) You got different Mm -hmm. treatment. Um, And so it was a a little discouraging, um, it was a little discouraging, and and so I commend you for stepping up and stepping out uh, to bring about change. Um, I, and I know just looking at you know the things that are going on with the statues and um, different occasions where uh, leadership of the city showed up and didn't have a lot to say or what they had to say didn't make sense and it wasn't about the people but it was more as I heard more about convenience of what they wanted and I think in this hour uh, we all need to be mindful of what our people need and what's best for the people and and not just those in office but for everyone and you know when you were sharing that I, I think about evangelists and how they go out and they take the good news. And I was like, huh, he's evangelizing. <laughs> he's evangelizing <laughs> for the betterment of the city. Um, just going out sharing hope and, and news that, you know, this does not have to be. Things can change. But in order for things to change, things have to change. And I think that's one thing that people have to understand. People always talk about wanting things to change but they're not really bought in to what that change needs to look like. So what are, what are some of your points? I mean, of course, the education, um, basic services, job opportunities, businesses, 
but but what are the things? What are your major points? What, what is your campaign going to be driven on that the people need to hear in this hour, Justin? Yeah, the the top priorities are definitely those things that you hit on: better schools, better roads, better city services. Uh, but it can kind of be summed up in a wholesale culture change. Right mm. now, the city government, it feels like in the way that the people are treated are almost like they're an inconvenience. There is not mm. a, a servant-oriented culture in our city government, whether that's the school system. Like I said, with the teacher who didn't even bother giving homework because, hey, the, you know, low, such low expectations of the students. Or if you try and go in and get permits or try and get licenses or you try and get any kind of basic services from the city, you're almost, we're, we're treating our people and our businesses almost like a cancer that we're trying to eradicate instead mm-hmm. of, you know, this servant-oriented uh, culture. And I think that comes from the leadership. You have to have somebody who is interested in servant um, oriented leadership uh, because the way I, you know, like you were saying in the city, it's always been this mindset of a ladder that our mayors and our elected officials are trying to climb. They just see it as a stepping stone. Okay. We're only going to make, we're going to make decisions based on what is good for me and what's good mm-hmm. for my political career. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, and now in this moment, now that this is happening, okay, now it's okay to do this thing or, you know, when it wasn't good, even just two weeks ago, right? And so we're constantly shifting with no coherent plan and no coherent vision for the people because it's all about the politicians. And so my idea and my approach will be completely different. It's not about me, right? This is about mm-hmm. serving people and doing what is right to make things better and provide more opportunities for people. And so instead of seeing things as a ladder, I kind of see it as a fruit tree, like a peach tree. The, mm-hmm. And the people of Richmond are the fruit. They're the peaches. Yeah, They're on yeah, the tree. Yeah, and yeah. everything else, the city government, everything we do, you got some people who are the roots, some people who are the trunks, some people who are the branches, some people are the leaves. And the mindset is all of that needs to function in a in an efficient and effective manner to make those pre- peaches grow strong and vibrant and to the best of their ability. And so that culture change is something that I will try and bring to city hall. Yeah. So you talk about the fruit, um, Matthew chapter seven, verse 15 through 20, beware of false prophets who come in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. The men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles. Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. And so when you look at the city of Richmond and we look at the fruit of that city, it's evident. It's evident that that tree mm-hmm. now needs to be cut down. <laughs> that tree yeah, exactly. needs to be cut down. Um, that false prophet, that wolf in sheep's clothing uh, needs to be dealt with uh, in, in, whatever, in, in whatever position. And this is leadership everywhere. 
We have to be mindful of those who want to talk a good game for their own benefit, but do not consider what they are doing to the fruit. So, wow. I like that a lot. Yeah. I like and that a I, lot. Yeah. And the way that it looks for me going into the city government, kind of going back to the bio of me that you gave at the beginning is, you know, being an attorney that's all about compliance. It's all about contracts. I also have an accounting degree. And so for mm-hmm. me, it go it looks like going into each city department and looking line item by line item through the budget, reviewing their systems, trimming the branches that are not mm-hmm. producing fruit. And, mm-hmm. you know, because you prune, you go in and mm-hmm. some places might need to chop the whole thing down. But a lot of places in my conversations with people, you know, the, the everyday workers in City Hall, they want to serve people. They want to do their jobs well, uh, but they don't, they're not given the tools. They're, the, the leadership and the culture is not there. And they're honestly, most of them are frustrated. People that I've talked mm-hmm. to that used to work for the city say they left because they got tired of the 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 inefficiencies and just the inability to actually serve people. And so you go in, you trim the branches, you cut a lot of the waste, you redirect those resources into helping people help people and also redirect those money, the money that is saved towards our priorities, like our schools and investing in our neighborhoods and providing good services. And it creates doing that creates kind of an upward spiral in the city mm-hmm. because if you have a strong education system where people are learning relevant life skills, learning trades, learning what it takes, you know, to build wealth and to grow a career and just have a solid foundation, that helps set your people up to thrive. And then on the other end, having competent city services where a business can get a license, can get the necessary permits that is willing to invest in the city and in Every part of the city, like you were saying, we usually pick winners and losers where we invest Mm -hmm. in the people we help. You know, we Mm -hmm. need to stop that. We need to invest in all our neighborhoods with good infrastructure and so there's not crumbling sidewalks and crumbling roads because people that want to invest and bring jobs and opportunities in the city or people that want to live in the neighborhoods that want to reinvest in their own neighborhood to uplift their community, they don't, you can't. You don't want to do that in an area where you're putting in your money and time and energy, but the city's not taking care of the things right outside the front door of your business, right? So we yeah. have to create this environment where we're helping our people and uplifting our people and providing this offer, this, this you know, community where things have opportunity to thrive. Now I'm going to ask a question that, the listeners probably will say, no, she didn't ask that. But, yeah, I'm going to ask that because <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, when I was there, I can remember in some of the neighborhoods and some of the courts, like I can remember Southside where there was housing development for lower income African-Americans pro- predominantly okay. that were leveled down and new places built that they couldn't afford and they were not afforded an opportunity to get. And I, I saw in other places where areas where minorities lived were being torn down and repurposed um, and changing the face of the place, therefore changing the face of the demographics of that place. And I know even a couple of years ago when I was there, um, there were many people of color that were fearful that they were being pushed out, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. Um, 
with those things and with racial tension being what it is in, in a place like Richmond, Virginia, do you think that sort of plays into why government is the way that it is, why it has been, um, and how will you handle um, mending the racial divide that's so evident? Yeah, that's definitely one of the things that uh, people bring up to me because I've been going out and talking to people in every community, every neighborhood all over Richmond, and you can see it in, in this mindset of, you know, we're going to push people out to improve our numbers and our statistics here in Richmond instead of in helping them, you know, you know, breaking things like the cycle of poverty. And that's that's one of the things that drives me and drove me to get in this race because it frustrates me to see people paying lip service to, you know, communities of color and, you know, people that live in poverty and saying, oh, we need to do X, Y, and Z, but then they never do anything that actually addresses any of the root causes. And that's why I have such a Mm -hmm. strong emphasis on schools because the education system is the building block to being able to do things like break the cycle of poverty and shrink the racial wealth gap. And the problem that we have, it all kind of goes back to the, the motivations of the people that are elected leaders, because when you are only thinking in four year increments of, okay, what can I do to put on a resume so that I can run for the next office? You don't do the things that are more long-term because things like fixing the school system, you're Uh looking at, you know, 12 or 13 Uh years to make Uh wholesale holistic changes and it's not this immediate win you know things like bringing in you know the you know outside investment to push people out of neighborhoods bulldozing entire communities Mm -hmm. forcing those people out because they can't afford to live there anymore you might Mm -hmm. from a statistic standpoint say hey look i lowered the poverty rate in richmond but you didn't Mm -hmm. help anyone you just pushed them right over the border and so that the numbers look good so you, you can kind of you know, pull one over on everybody and say, look at these things that I did. And so they're always looking for the the quick win, the the get-rich-quick schemes that benefit them instead of really benefiting everyone in the long term. And that's why we have these cycles, uh, because the elected leaders have the wrong priorities. It's more inward-focused instead of outward-focused. And so that's one of the things that makes me different. And when people ask, okay, yeah, everybody makes these promises, but what makes you different is, you know, this isn't my career. You know, I'm not a politician. I've never run for office before. I'm doing it because I'm fed up and say enough is enough. And so Mm -hmm. I'm looking at making real change that actually can impact people's lives and uplift them over the long term. And if I don't have the quick win to run for some other office, that's fine with me. You know, because, mm-hmm. again, this isn't my career. I have a career that I'm putting mm-hmm. on hold in order to do this. So right. that's where we've got to be when we're actually talking about helping communities and particularly minority communities and communities that have high levels of poverty. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and going wow. towards your second part there, how to mend kind of the racial divides we have here in the city that is how we can do it in the long term, because right now there are such disparities and often mm-hmm. they do seem to cut along racial lines. And so 
politicians can use that to help divide people because they can say, hey, look, you don't have, and it's these people's fault, and mm-hmm. when really it's you know the politicians' fault because they're sending you to failing schools and they have no plan to fix it. And so right. in the long term, if we can do things that can hopefully at least try something different, for crying out loud, to try and do things like break those cycles and shrink the racial wealth gap and that thing, that can ultimately help people come together uh, instead of keep pushing them apart for political reasons. Absolutely. That's, oh, wow. Wow. See, this makes me want, wish I was back in Richmond, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> this is good news. This is so exciting. Ah, to our listeners that are listening now, those in the chat room, those who may listen later, um, if if you're recognizing what Justin is sharing as truth, I want to encourage you to reach out to him, have a conversation with him, um, bring him to your meeting, bring him to your your group, bring him and allow him to share uh, his heart and what it is that that God has given him to do in this hour, which is to make an impact and bring about change and a place that needs it like never before. Justin, can you share with our listening audience how they can reach out to us if you have websites or or other social media sites that people can reach you at to support or get questions answered or any of those things? Yeah, so I'm on all the social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, but kind of the hub for everything is my website, griffinformayor.com that's griffinformayor.com and one thing that also makes me different from people other people run for office on that website there are options to meet with me so you can there's a button you can click meet justin and it'll give you options of either setting up a phone call or meeting in person and so he pulls up a calendar you can pick a time i will show up at your front door and we can have these conversations about the issues that matter most to you and you can tell me about the things you see in your community and we can go ahead and start developing a plan to address those so i'm trying to be as available as possible to people the email address on the website comes straight to me so if you have questions i'm happy to answer them so anything that you do and again like you were saying I'm happy to come to any meetings, talk to anybody, any groups, any churches, anybody out there that wants to wants to have a conversation. And uh, so starting at the website, griffinformayor.com, you can reach me or set up a time and I'll just show up. <laughs> awesome. I just updated um, the link on the radio show to include your website, Um so people can know how to reach you. Yes. Yes. Awesome. Well, Justin, thank you again. Thank you again for your time, for joining us today, for sharing your heart. I'm excited. I'm excited about what I'm hearing. Um, because like I said, I know you, I know your heart. I know, I know who you are. Um, and, and it's such a pleasure to have you here and to see God use you in this way, um, I'm grateful. I'm grateful, and I'm excited. And um, you're going to make a difference, I believe. Well, you've already made a difference, and I believe that you're going to continue to make a difference in Richmond, Virginia. 
Listeners, thank you. Wow, I have been inspired. I don't even live in Richmond anymore, and like I'm, I'm excited. Like I'm, I'm ready to share this out, send this to some people that I know, um, so that they can hear your heart, Justin, and be willing to embrace and activate the change that's needed in Richmond, Virginia. Listeners, as always, you know here at Empowerment Place, our our motto is: once you've been empowered, you take the responsibility to empower someone else. And I'm grateful that Justin Griffin is living out our motto in RVA. So, Justin, thank you so much for that. Listeners, join us again tomorrow. We'll be back here tomorrow with another Lunchtime Inspiration um, with uh, Tamara Stanton, um, uh, a young woman who is uh, amazing, and she's going to share her heart with us tomorrow at noon. So join us again um, and be inspired. I'm grateful. I'm thankful. And as I've shared here at Empowerment Place, we say to you, once you've been empowered, take the responsibility to empower someone else. Justin, our prayers are with you. You're going to do great. Have a wonderful day.